Hello, hello, hello. I am your Tom of Finland hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth. In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood. To lick it right, lick it good, show you how to Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the mostest, Munoz. And, oh my God, summer flying by. It is hot as balls in New York. It is nonstop raining. You know what? I guess I got my wish here because for the longest time I've been saying that in the city, we don't have like really good thunderstorms anymore. And that's legit all we've been having. I guess it's the global warming of it all. I don't know. Uh, but it is nonstop downpouring rain in this heat. It's it's next level, y'all. What else can I tell you? Um, it's almost the end of July, folks. I am still reeling off my trip to Puerto Vallarta. I'm just, I'm really missing the food is what I'm missing. Everything was so fresh and so delicious and... Oh, I'm dying to go back, and I just came back, and yeah, that's about it, y'all. I just want to get to the getting on today, because today's guest is really special. The gay liberties of it all, they just keep coming out of the woodwork, and I am not mad. So without further ado, please help me welcome the one, the only, Steve Perry. Say hi, Steve. Hey, everyone. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your show. Well, thank you for being here. I'm so excited that we we like connected via the intraweb. I slid into your DMs. You did, you know, yes. Sensibly, sensibly. <laughs> no nudes yet. You know. <laughs> I love how you preference yet. Yeah, because well, you, you know, know that. It does go there sometimes, you know. Well, sometimes, and it, and it probably will, and I won't be mad at it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I have been stuck in 120 square feet of Times Square for too long, so anything is fair game with consent. Totally. Yes. You know? 
<laughs> but before we get to the getting on, Steve, in the grand tradition of in yo mouth, I need to wish you happy National Creme Brulee Day. Oh, I love creme brulee. I feel so lucky that I got a day that I actually will enjoy. Right? <laughs> right? Like, there's nothing like a good creme brulee, but I feel like creme brulee is a little bit of, um, for lack of a better term, clickbait. You know, you're like, oh, that's fancy, only because everyone loves to break the sugar top. Of course. And then, and then it's like, eh, all right, the, the fun is over. Yes, yes. I mean, like, it's a very, it's a simplistic dessert, perhaps, in that it's very classic. But I do love, I have to say, I do love that sugar piece. Like, I will, I will order a creme brulee maybe once a year, but that's, that's enough. For me. Yeah, it's 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 all for it's literally all for to break the sugar top to be like, ooh, this is fun, and then it's over. <laughs> you know what I it mean? Is. I don't. Is creme brulee very summery? I I feel like is that a summer dessert? I mean, we're in like we're at the end of July here, pretty much. I don't know. And- I feel like it's kind of like a pudding, and that you I always associate it with winter. Like I I want something filling and fatty. For summer, I always think about fruit, and I, I don't think about creme brulee. Like, I don't want anything that heavy. Yeah, and not, not that creme brulee is necessarily heavy. It's just like the, you know, if I'm going to eat something that creamy, it might as well be creamy and super cold, like ice yes. cream, you know? Yes. Like, it's like this kind of, like, in-between, almost like cheesecake, you know? That's a great way to put it, Yes. That it's like this in between, you know, give it to me in spring, give it to me in the fall. Winter? Yes. Totally. Summer? Yeah. Mm. I can pass. I yeah. can pass. I can pass. Well, you're in luck, Steve, because today is a double day, and I also need to wish you happy National Junk Food Day. Oh, wow. I had no idea that I would get a double day. I know. Double. You, you know what? You are being DP'd today. I. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Who knew that that would happen? Break out the poppers because today (laughs) is a DP. And I was not prepared for that. No. (laughs) We're off to the races, Steve. Welcome to the podcast. It's called In Your Mouth, Mm. honey. (laughs) As you sit there in your Leatherman shirt. So I'm sure you are no stranger to a double day. That's quite possible, yes. (laughs) I am not as innocent as I may look. Uh, yes, yes. And I mean, we will get into it all. But junk food, are you a junk food fanatic? What's I'm your not, guilty pleasure? I don't do a lot of junk food, I have to be honest. Now, occasionally, like, I'll buy a bag of potato chips. Like, I do, like, a salt and vinegar potato chip. Okay, but, like, now, I, is it a kettle chip or is it, like, a Lay's or is it a... It's not a kettle with... chip. Like, I will buy, like, the frou-frou bougie bougiest uh bag of potato chips like a cape cod or something yes yes um but i try not to have junk food in my house just because if it's in the house i have a hard time controlling myself so i try to just like i'll eat it at parties if it's there but i i try to have a firm boundary that's the way I feel about men, too. If they're in my house, I have a hard time controlling You can't myself. stop. You can't stop. You just want more. You can't stop the beat. Um, <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. There is nothing in my apartment that is snacky because uh, it's, 
I'm insatiable. And so if I am hungry, I have to cook. Period. You know, there is nothing. I mean, except for raw vegetables. So like there's a raw vegetable and hummus. Like I can have that. And that's not very exciting sometimes. Uh, I don't live for that. So, you know, like it's it's the entire. I love a chip. I love a ruffles with ridges. Uh, What else? Like junk food. I was really big into Doritos as a kid. Like I loved like. Well, now now the great Dorito debate. What? Cool Ranch or Nacho? I I like both. Um, as a kid, I liked both. I feel like now, if I had to choose, I would totally go for Nacho. I think that that's where my flavor profile has landed. But I won't. You're, you're going to make a lot of people cool out ranch. there angry, Steve. I I, I can't. The Cool Ranch everyone. gang. I'm sorry, but I'm not saying I'm not saying Cool Ranch <laughs> is disgusting. If I just had to choose between the two, I would go for the Nacho. <laughs> Well, I think we're both here for for both of these national food holidays. And you know what? No matter what you're celebrating out there today on this National Creme Brulee Day and National Junk Food Day, we always celebrate you. And moving right along to this day in gay history, Steve, did you know that in 1980, 32-year-old Italian Enzo Francone in Moscow for the Summer Olympics chains himself to a fence in Red Square to protest Soviet persecution of homosexuals. With Western journalists looking on, a group of KGB officers move in and drag Francone away. I had no idea about that. I had no idea about this. And sometimes I'm really, I love all the gay history of it all. I love that I do this every week and like just all these little tidbits. But sometimes, depending on my mood or how much time and work I have to do, I don't really fall down a, a, a larger hole. Yeah. Uh, of And of like researching this. And I kind of wanted to know who Enzo Francone was. But I couldn't, I couldn't find a lot of articles out there that I didn't have to like pay to see the articles and then mm. I didn't have time. And then I'm like, you know, it's going to end up being one of those subscriptions that I forget about and then end up paying like $200 totally. until I, when yeah. I realize that I need to stop paying for it. But he's like, uh, from what I can tell, he was this 32-year-old just uh, LGBTQ activist that went for the Olympics and decided mm. to chain himself there. Hopefully he made it out okay. But, I mean... I mean, what's sad about that story is the same thing is still happening in Russia. You know, 40 years later, you still have the same level of resistance against LGBTQ people in Russia. Like, nothing has changed. Yeah, there was this article that I was denied entry from, from the Detroit Press, because apparently I've looked at too many articles, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. But... (laughs) But... Yes, uh, talking about, like, upcoming Olympics and whatnot and referencing this specific moment and how Mm. it's still relevant today. So, you know what? Thank you to Enzo Francone for doing the work back then in 1980. And you know what? As I always say, our history is, you know what, is long, but, like, documented not that long ago. And 1980 wasn't that long ago, and it's still happening today but i'm sure that like many people don't even know about the story right i mean like it's not even we have a lot of history but it's not written down you know like you have to do the research as you're doing to figure out these little tidbits but it's not like 
there's a, a universal place to like easily access all these things. Well, actually, there is, and I rarely talk about it. I don't mm. understand why. I get ninety percent of these little factoids from a website called thelavendereffect.org. Oh, um, and they have tidbits for every day. So thank you to thelavendereffect.org. And 90% of the food holidays come from Foodimentary. Uh, shout out to you for keeping me afloat for over three years now, you know, with all these little factoids. So yeah, if you want to do some research on your own and uh, go go out there to thelavendereffect.org, there's something every day, you know. Maybe we should do like a gay history of the day calendar, one of those like desktop calendars, the ripaways. That'd be nice. You know? Right? Do people still use those? I'm sure there there must be some people. Someone, right? somewhere. We, you know? we can bring it back. We can bring, bring it back, back in style. That, that with like a little far side cartoon in the yes. corner. Because yes. <laughs> I'm an old lady, right? <laughs> that loves the far side, if you remember. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, you know what? Shout out to Enzo Francone, but I want to get to the getting on. And in your mouth, listeners, if you don't know, and you probably already do, Stephen Perry is the self-described... Tom Finland meets the kitchen. Steve is a self-taught chef that has an ever-growing collection of cookbooks, which is fed by his travels. He has traveled throughout Europe and has translated Swedish, Norwegian, and Russian cookbooks for his personal use. His food is heavenly inspired by Northern and Eastern European cuisine, though not exclusively from that region. He is employed in academia and enjoys using the kitchen to explore cultures, to meditate, to travel, and to inspire. And my favorite thing about Steve and how we, we connected, because I don't know what the, the click-through was for me in my Instagram fall-down was, and I mean... Shout out to Enzo Francone again, just the Italian of it all, is that Steve has a minor slash major obsession with a little coffee maker called the Mocha, much like I do in Latin culture, specifically like Puerto Rican Dominican uh, cultures. We call it La Goreca. And that's that little stovetop like little thingy that apparently a lot of people don't know how to use, Steve. Do you know? I know. I'm, I'm always surprised when people are I, like, so How, yeah, they, they think it's so complicated. I'm like, it takes two minutes. It literally takes two minutes. And even if you don't know how to use it, you figure it out pretty quick. They're YouTube <laughs> videos. Yes, actually. So folks out there, so I reached out to Steve being like, oh my God, I love that you're obsessed. And then I sent him my only reel that like went viral, right? That was the stupidest thing ever of me making coffee in it. It's basically a how-to video. Water, coffee, screw it on, put it on the heat, pour and go. Um, and we connected and then we started talking and then I invited him on the pod. So welcome. But why the mocha? What do you love about the? Let's just start there. What do you love about the Italian mocha? I love that it, you know, if you look at the design of this piece, it's so simplistic, but it's so elegant. I love that I can make coffee very quickly and coffee often upsets my stomach, but this type of coffee, the acidity is not as harsh as like filtered coffee. And so it's something that also agrees with my body. Um, so there, there's a multitude of reasons why, why I prefer this. Yeah, um, I agree. I grew up with my mother 
making this in the kitchen all the time. I I now have and Steve, I don't know if you're like me, but like I went from not drinking coffee to coffee snob very quickly. <laughs> it's very so, easy. It is very easy. And in this 120 square feet in Times Square, I have a Nespresso machine that I've retired for a little while. Um, I have a French press. I have an AeroPress. I have two, if not three, mochas. I have a pour-over. I have a cold brew maker. I have more ways. Oh, I have... I, do I still have that percolator? The stovetop percolator, like the campfire mm-hmm. one? I have like seven ways to make coffee in 120 square feet. <laughs> yeah. I have a few ways, but I would say that the mocha is totally my preferred way. Like, that's the thing. It's kind of my morning ritual yeah. of just doing that. Um, but I, I do have a French press. I do have a percolator, but I very rarely ever use it. Use them. Once you use the mocha, you just never want to go back. No, it's so it. it's so fun. It's just so fun to use. Yeah, it's fun. And they come in all different colors and yes. whatnot. And I kind of went really quickly because I want to get to you and celebrating mm-hmm. you. But like, I just love that you and I have like this common ground and love for this little machine. But I kind of went through, a, tried to dive deep into why... Uh, like the Latin Americas call it La Greca and the Italians call it the Mocha. And I was like, where did it come from? And it's named after the Yemeni city of Mocha. And it was invented by Italian engineer Alfonso Bialetti in 1933. And then it quickly became one of the staples of Italian culture. Oh, interesting. And then spread because of war, apparently. Huh. So yeah. how do you know exactly how it spread from Italy to South America or Latin America? Yeah, um, so most post-war Italian migrants used the mocha pot in their homes, which eventually led to many Australians of non-Italian backgrounds to use the pot in their homes. Mm-hmm. Um, this is all Wikipedia. And yeah, it just kind of, it, like, it was the Italian migrants that kind of brought it everywhere, you know? Oh, that's fascinating. So, yeah, isn't that isn't that interesting? Yeah, and I I grew up in I guess one would call like an Italian American family, but we never used it. I only got introduced to it through a relationship. And I was dating a German. That's a that's a severe kink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, and one thing led to another and now now I can't stop using it. Yeah. Right. And you have the burn marks to show for it. Um, exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, let's start at the very beginning here. Wait a minute. Actually, I want to go back. Have you discovered the AeroPress? I'm obsessed. No. What is the AeroPress? The AeroPress was, and not a sponsor, and they totally need to be, is the best kept secret. I think it was made for like campers, travelers, and it's this little plastic. Thing. It's this little plastic tube with a paper filter and you screw it on and you put a couple scoops of coffee in there, pour the hot water in and then press the plunger down. And it is the freshest, most delicious espresso mm. that you will get. And it sits on top of your cup. So sometimes when I travel to a hotel or something, I will just throw my AeroPress because it's so small into my suitcase. And it makes the most delicious on-the-go coffee you can have. I will have to look at that. That's look great. it, look it up because it's so simple. It's literally wow. a tube and a plunger. So, you, FYI, you can't go wrong with that. You know, no, it's so good. But 
moving right along, I just needed to like shout out AeroPress because I really love it so much. Um, and it's so small and and whatnot. And it makes a fantastic cup of coffee. It's ridiculous. Mm. Like, you know, it was made for like the RV of it all or like the camper of it all or, so, or the coffee lover who loves to travel, like the businessman who loves coffee and is always in the, the hotel room of it all, you know? So, yeah. I will, so, I will take a look at it. I so really good. appreciate it. So good. So affordable. Love it. Shout out to you. Not a sponsor. But let's start at the very beginning. Where did this love of cooking come from? That's a great question. Um, I I think that this love of cooking came from wanting to be independent, you know, just getting so fed up with food that I was being fed at, you know, at school and just wanting more variety. You know, when I grew up, my mom had a very set schedule. Like we would have spaghetti one night. We have meatballs another night, meatloaf another night and so forth. And I just want the variety. And um, I think it all happened when I had to take cooking. I, I, I don't know if people have to take cooking anymore, it, like home ec, but, you know, we are, I took we are home, men of a certain age. Yeah, <laughs> I, I took home ec and I was in the sixth grade and we had to learn how to, you know, make some basic desserts and some basic food. And that's when I started realizing, like, all the possibilities that cooking could could provide. And then I started falling in love with just going home and watching cooking shows and just seeing people work in the kitchen. And then it wasn't until I had a kitchen of my own that I really just started exploring and taking the time to make all these new dishes for myself, for, for friends. And that's really where, where it came from. So what about the cooking was attractive to you? I think cooking is a way for me to express, you know, if I'm cooking for another person, it's a way for me to express thanks and gratitude for that other person. When I'm cooking for myself, it's a way to kind of appreciate myself, to, to say, you know, you do deserve this nourishment. And what attracted me was a way to learn about cultures without having to travel. You know, because I, I first started cooking before I had, you know, a job. And so I didn't have a lot of money, but this was a way for me to go to the grocery store and buy ingredients and feel like I was able to connect with different cultures without having to spend a lot of money to travel there. Yeah. And I've actually never thought about it that way. And because it's so plainly obvious um, the way you put that. But I started, when I started really diving into cooking, I, it was because, yes, I was watching Food Network and like one of the first things I ever made was emeralds, butternut squash, gnocchi. And I was, I never had butternut squash before and I didn't like it. Like I made it, I went through the whole process of making it. And then I was like, oh, I don't like this. I mean, I love it now. But like then being in kitchens and, you know, because my mom, my Puerto Rican mother, love her to death. Her cooking is amazing. But she had her staples as well. And so I'd be working in these kitchens and short rib would come out and these like mushroom dishes would come out and like things. And I'd be like, oh, I want that. That tastes good. How do I recreate that at home? But then like thinking about like the cultural aspect of it all, like, yeah, you're you're making like 
jerk chicken, like, and how is this made? And I mean, we talk about the cultural appropriation of it all. Like, I think it was like the last episode or whatnot, where I was talking about how mad I was at Reed Drummond making sheet pan quesadillas mm-hmm. about, uh, <laughs> as like she invented them. Right. But like in the sense of that, like, it was the ownership of it all, not like the gratitude of like, I just want this to, because I want quesadillas, you know? Like, exactly. There's, there's a yeah. different, there's a different like, feel to that like you know not saying that she couldn't make a quesadilla it was the way she made them you know <laughs> um, she like invented them yeah you know? and it was like girl like cut it out you know yes. <laughs> like ridiculous but in the sense of like exploring this be and having that take of being like oh that was really delicious from this place i want to recreate that because these flavors aren't flavors that i'm normally used to you know Yes. My mother never made like every time I eat a mushroom. Still to this day, my mother's like, "Ugh, right?" My too. not because not because she's ever had mushrooms. It's just the idea of it, you know, because my it's too. not something, yes. not something that she was. It's exposed to very much, or is is part of the culture. Yeah, and that's why I started um, just amassing a whole collection of cookbooks so that I could learn what to do with different types of food. You know, like uh, for a period of time, I was vegetarian and you can be a very bad vegetarian and eat potato chips and Boca burgers. Speaking of National Junk Food Day. Yeah. Junk food vegetarians, they're totally a thing. Totally. And, And I totally fell into that realm for a period of time until I started educating myself of, well, how do I cook really great dishes with beans? And uh, how do we deal with like different pulses and lentils and things like that? And just making my diet more varied Um, because I know I was exposed to a very small set of foods and cookbooks that focus on different cultures has helped me realize, oh, no, there's a huge set of, of foods out there that I was totally ignoring for a large period of time in my life. Yeah, yeah. What made you want to to start to translate all these cookbooks? Because that's really interesting, right? You travel a lot, and then one day you just decide, here's a cookbook in Russian. I'm just going to sit here and translate it. So I, whenever I travel, I always will buy at least one cookbook. Sometimes I come home with three cookbooks. How many do you own? I... Oh, at least a hundred. Let's say at face. least a hundred. Um, but it, it's something where, you know, I, when I look at these cookbooks that are written in Russian or Swedish or so forth, they, they have recipes that you don't normally find in American-focused cookbooks. You know, it's not the let's make a quesadilla or, you know, the kind of... Uh, Cool Whip with uh, strawberries and blueberries type of, like, junky stuff. You know, you yeah. see things that have yet to to be translated over here um, that are still quite rustic, are accessible, but um, yeah, there's like a people just haven't taken time. There's a different, like, hand to it. There's, like, a different, like... Yeah feel you know like i always say my mother's my mother's rice especially the white rice sometimes it's it's just white rice 
But there's something that my mother does to this white rice that I don't know, that it's the most delicious white rice I've ever mm. had, you know? And it's, like, it's fantastic. But, like, yeah, there's a different, like, hand and feel. So, yeah, I can, I can totally relate and understand that. And you see a different flavor profile. You'll see them use different spices that normally you may not think about incorporating. Um, so I find that kind of inspiring to, to then, you know, look at these recipes and then think about how can I infuse other recipes or other foods with a similar profile. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. I love all of that. And I mean, I'm, a, I'm also self-taught, self-trained, right? I don't call myself a chef, right? Because those long hours in the kitchen and that dedication, I, can, I, I don't want to take away from the beauty of that, of what that is, you know? But I've, I put my hours in in my own kitchen and sometimes others, you know? And I love, I love that exploration. And, like, when people ask me, like, like what what that style of cooking is or at least mine I'm like or what I what where do I excel in the kitchen it's it's that flavor combo in the sense of like I'm not afraid to put like something and something together because I've I've already explored that because I wanted to explore Indian cooking one day yes. like this flavor kind of matched with this flavor or like you know throwing some cinnamon in my in my chili, right, which is my secret, right, kind of takes it to the next level. And everyone's always like, what is that? That's really delicious. But, like, I can't place what that flavor exactly. back there is. And it's like, you know, and it takes it to a different place. And, yeah, that's that's really, really beautiful. You know, we we know you work. I said you work in academia. Is, is part of the academia of it all, like, uh, you being a linguist? No, I am not trained as a linguist, even though I would say that that's, also a hobby in addition to cooking. Um, Cause, yeah, because I'm going down the road of like, how do you know all these languages to like translate the cookbooks? Like that's yeah, where I'm going. So this, I, you know? um, what may be shocking is I have done um, nearly eight year, eight consecutive years on Duolingo. I have completed the Norwegian course, the Swedish course, the German course, the Danish course. Um, I've completed a lot of courses. On so Duolingo. you know how to say the men write in sugar. Yes. In yes. many uh, languages. I, because in your mouth, listeners, <laughs> if you've never been on Duolingo, because I did it for Italian before I went to Italy, and I did it for um, a few weeks. Um, the men write in sugar was a big thing for some reason. And I don't understand why that was the phrase I needed to know. <laughs> I find that the phrases that you find on Duolingo very, you'll, you'll probably never say them, but I think that they probably use them just so that you're like, are you really asking me to say this thing? And it's like, yeah, we're asking to say that thing. So you pay attention, but we're, you're never actually going to use that phrase, you know? Yeah. So it works apparently. Yeah. It yeah, works. I mean, I think that it it certainly has helped me when I travel. I can certainly order coffee and sandwiches and, like, get by on a very basic level. I think that it works for that. And then I'm way more um, – I can translate written is, like, a lot easier than me speaking. Like, speaking, I have to think on the fly. That's That's something that I don't think 
you learn very well. You scan, because you scan it into Google Translate and it just does it for you? Yeah, I mean, like, that's what I <laughs> want to do. But, like, I can I can read things pretty easily and, and get, like, a sense. But to be able to say uh, an informative sentence with all the tenses correct, that's quite difficult. Um, but my my job, my training, um, I went to school as a mathematician. And so I have a very different skill set that sometimes you may see um, a very small remnants of this on my Instagram that I will take a recipe and I'll be like, I want to do two sevens of this. And I will like reconstruct the whole recipe on the side, um, you know, depending on what fraction I want of the recipe. All right, and- come through <laughs> math, daddy. Come through. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. I love yeah. all of that. And um, I think that a lot, you know, I, I, I often am cooking by myself. And you know that cookbooks often focus on cooking for a party or cooking for a feast. And so I'm very interested in, well, why can't I just cook this one thing, but just have like one one serving or two servings? So I'm very interested in like downsizing a lot of recipes. And oh, is that is that a future cookbook coming coming our I way? I hope so. I hope so. I you know? I have um I have sketched out a cookbook, but I, I need to actually write the proposal for for it. But that's that is a goal that I'm working towards. I love that. Yes. Well, I love and support that wholeheartedly, and I love just sitting here getting to know you. And I think now, or I should say, but I think now would be the most perfect time, because I think you're going to be really fantastic at this, to take you out to my favorite part of the pod and the audience's favorite part of the podcast, a little something we like to call... Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Food news update. Spill the tea, honey. You ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. News update. Kraft created a macaroni and cheese ice cream, and it's available nationwide. I don't know if I would eat that macaroni and cheese ice cream. What would that be like? I, I'm I'm thinking, is that gonna be like Velveeta? Like, is it gonna be? Well, it's gonna be Kraft. Yeah. Right? So, so, so it's it's been all over the internet. I guess I'm a little late to the to the game here, right? Because it's a weekly podcast. So, like, sometimes things things we're just a little late to things here. But all the, all the influencers, all the food influencers, the influencers, right, or whatever you want to call them, have been, like, going to Van Leeuwen and trying 
this craft macaroni and cheese ice cream. So is it only available in one place? Yes. So craft, um, all food news updates today, by the way, come from Food and Wine. Thank you, Food and Wine, for providing me with all my food news um, on this day, on this National Junk Food Day. So Kraft uh, did the collaboration with Brooklyn-based creamery Van Leeuwen, and it brings the familiar cheesiness of Kraft macaroni and cheese in a cool, creamy scoop of ice cream. I, I am really not into this. I, I don't I don't think I mean I may try just for the novelty sake, but I don't I don't see um me going out to the grocery store and searching this out or even trying to recreate this. Have you had Van Leeuwen ice cream? I have not. I don't know. It's delicious. They make the most the best, what I think is the best vegan ice cream on the market. Mm. I think it's actually probably fattier than regular ice cream, but it's so freaking delicious. I mean, I even secretly fed my mom vegan ice cream, right? Because had I told her, she would have been like, absolutely not. Of course. And and she was like, oh my God, this is so good. This is so good. And I was like, it's vegan. No real milk in here. Um, So they they do a really freaking great job at like just the ice cream game in general. Mm. Especially when it comes to vegan ice cream. That being said, the fluencers, as I'm now calling them, (laughs) as I watch them, Elliot Norris, Will Coleman, all of them out there trying it, at first they're like, "Mm," and then they're like, with with the whole... Okay, I'm not missing out then. I'm I'm glad about that. No, no, no. This is obviously a publicity stunt of some sort. Kraft macaroni and cheese has been a staple of the American diet since 1930. Seven. Can you believe that? 1937. Wow. Right? So so during, uh, you know, before we entered World War II and, you know, we're recovering from the Depression. Yeah. So it's like Depression food. Yeah. And it was easy. It was like this easy, like, housewife throw together, yeah. you know, like something super easy. A lot of this food, I don't know if Kraft macaroni and cheese is one of them. But a lot of this food comes from wartime, like a lot of like the TV dinners and whatnot come from uh, war era uh, necessity because a lot of these companies were making food for the armies and they had to make it, you know, uh, processed and like, you know, the longevity of the food had to be out there because it was for the army and they were like in the trenches and like it. So it had to last. And then when companies realized that oh this actually works it they brought it to the the markets of the grocery stores and i know and whole... I, I feel like it probably is a similar story to like how people for a period of time were obsessed with astronaut food yeah we you talk know, about that all the time here too yeah it's i don't know we i guess americans are just obsessed with like processed food and not having to do anything like well, it's, it's addictive prepared. it's addictive it, it is you know it is. Uh, the the high fructose corn syrup of it all is addictive. And let me tell you something. When I got back from Mexico, this tummy was not okay. And that's all I'll say about it. And I, I seriously am standing on the fact that at the Atlanta airport, I didn't, I ate something that probably was processed and not good. And when I came, and when I was in Mexico, everything, 90% of what I ate was made in front of me and fresh as fuck. It makes right? a difference. And, unpro- and unprocessed. 
Yes. And then I put this random Hudson News uh, chicken wrap in my body, and my body was like, are you crazy? No. Yeah. Yet, get it out. Get it out. Well, this whole thing was made for National Macaroni and Cheese Day. I don't necessarily know if Steve and I are here for this, but if this is your thing, go get it. And even if not, go support Van Leeuwen and their vegan ice cream. I guarantee you, your mind will be blown. Heinz starts a petition to finally put equal number of hot dogs and buns in packages. I had no idea that they were unequal at the moment. Um, Wait, they've always I, been unequal. I, I very rarely will ever eat a hot dog. Like, I'll eat, like, maybe one Lies. out. Lies. Um, <laughs> Lies. So, I had no idea. <laughs> I had to say... I, you look I like a man that has had a hot dog or two in your life. <laughs> I may have a hot dog, but I don't cook it. I, I have certain foods that I don't cook at home. Why don't you like a hot dog? What's wrong with a hot dog? Well, I, I try to eat like more healthy. So I, ha- I often, you know, the meats that I will make are like chicken or fish. So, right, but not even I like once a year, like the Lisa Rinna. Erica like Jane I, I may go out, like if I'm in Germany, like I may have like a hot dog or things like that, or I'll buy like a bratwurst, but or currywurst or something. Yeah, delicious. But but that's interesting. So they always had more hot dogs than buns. Is that is that the yes issue? forever? This has been a thing forever. Thanks, food and wine, uh, for bringing this, uh, putting this out there into the universe. Um, that it's always been ten. 10 hot dogs in a package, but eight hot dog buns in a package. So then, you know, then you can be creative of, like, what do you want to do with those extra two? Well, (laughs) (laughs) we can go down that road, but the condiment company wants big bun and big wiener companies to finally sell buns and wieners in even packs. Um, and so it's always been this age old question. And now the condiment maker, Heinz, is getting in between the wiener and the buns and hoping that the buns up, up their stake here and put 10 uh, buns in a pack. Apparently, it has something to do with, uh, like the bakery of it all and how things mm. are packaged. And like, there's like a limit to things in the bakery. But so like, but nobody has ever figured this out, and so now but like at is... the moment, are the bun people winning? Because if you want to have buns for all your ten hot dogs, you have to buy two packets. Yeah. So like, they're making more money probably now than if they if they change. Is that right? What do you think? Yeah, pro- probably. Or they're not because people are just like, I'm going to buy a pack and a pack, and we're going to get creative with the other two. Yeah, we'll see. This is interesting. Yeah, this is called the Heinz Hot Dog Pact, a petition calling on Big Bun and Big Wiener companies to do what I've... I sound like a broken record now. So, yeah, and people are all about it. If you want to sign the petition, you can go to HeinzHotDogPact.com. I don't think Steve is here for it because he he denies being a man of the wiener. (laughs) Of a certain... (laughs) Of a certain wiener. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm here for it. You know what? Why can't why can't we come together one wiener in one bun? Or maybe even you know what? If you have to get creative, 
It happens all the time. Two wieners in one bun. I'm here for it either way. Yes, you could and, totally DP your bun. Yeah. It's totally fine. <laughs> it seems to be the theme for the day. It is. Yes. And last but not least, <laughs> former workers turned this defunct McDonald's into a food bank. Isn't that amazing? What kind of McDonald's? I didn't hear that. It's um, a defunct McDonald's. Oh. So when their location was set to close, employees from a Marseille, France McDonald's occupied it over as a hub to benefit their community. Oh, I love that. That's so nice. I mean, reuse the space. If the space, like, if the architecture is, like, sound, that's great. Yeah, so this food bank, um, the workers seized a McDonald's in France. The former McDonald's in question is located in Marseille's 14th district. When the restaurant was set to shutter in 2019, the people who worked there saw an opportunity to use the easily identifiable space to address the needs of their community. So they reportedly took the keys and began illegally occupying the building for use as a food bank. They rearranged the letters forming the McDonald's sign to a new name, Le, Le Pre M, which in true French fashion me- translates to the after M. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and though the restaurant is now stocked with food, even encroaching into the former dining area, the, qui- the kitchen equipment itself is apparently not being used. Mm. Isn't that amazing? Mm. I like that. I think that's my favorite story. Yeah, I mean, we, I love to end on good food news updates here. And the best part about it is is that the government is trying to buy the building so the police doesn't uh, shutter them out, right, for this yes. illegal activity. And, and the government, the French government is saying, listen, we're not encouraging this sort of thing. Like, we don't want you to come and illegally take over. But we love that the community and the people who grew up in this 14th district of Marseille want to help the community and have done this so we're going to support you in this way right but we encourage you to do this yes to help the community out but in the right ways in the future you know so i think that's amazing yeah and i'm sure like you know mcdonald's are usually like in a central location of the city so like a lot of people probably have access to this like yeah it's great and listen, McDonald's has a long torrid history and a long yes. just history in general. And it wasn't, I mean, it was within like the last five to eight years, I think I realized how much good work the Ronald McDonald House does, mm. you know, with helping families like just with like kids with that like have, you know, med- uh, major medical issues and they put them up mm-hmm. and they house them and they pay for all the medical bills and all the, all of that stuff for so for all the other stuff that McDonald's is in the press about, like from, yes. you know, stuff in the food and whatnot, right? On the flip side of this, talking about the McDonald's of it all, at least there's a Ronald McDonald house doing all sorts of good things for the children out there. That's true. And you know what? Even though McDonald's isn't necessarily behind this mission, you know, it kind of like, I guess it's great PR for McDonald's as well, you know? Yeah, it comes full circle. It comes, in a way. it comes full circle with helping the people. And you know what? There is, it just is a testament to there's great people out there. Um, and it really warms the cockles of my heart. Steve, you don't know this about me, but I have many a job in this city. And one of them, right? Like, I don't know what came over me, but I, I was like, I need a third job. And let me just start working part time for fun on this 
in this restaurant uh, in the city. And we had a woman come in with her autistic son and everything, like, whatever, you know? We're there. I'm serving. The, the autistic son went over to this big bell and was exploring, right, this big bell that's yeah. in this restaurant. I mean, it's a massive bell, right? Uh, not like Liberty Bell, but it's pretty big and old and, you know, brass. And re- and ends up, I didn't even know you could ring this bell, but ends up finding out how to ring this bell and oh, wow. scares the shit out of the entire <laughs> restaurant. And once everybody kind of realized what was happening, right? They were like, oh, it's this, it's just this kid, you know, and right. he's exploring. And everyone began to cheer, right? The mother was obviously very embarrassed, right? Being like, no, 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 whatever. Right, like management comes over. I was like, "Listen, it's fine. This is the situation. Whatever. Everybody's happy. Totally. You know, not an issue." This one table uh, that I was serving uh, on the other side, they were like, "Oh my god, you handle that so well." This and that. I was like, "There was nothing to handle." I'm like, right. It is what it is. Whatever. Right. Everybody's. He's just everybody's, ringing the bell. Like, yeah. Everybody's on the same page. You know, it scared everybody. It was funny. Let's party. They were like, we want to pay for her bill, but don't tell her because we knew she was embarrassed, like, just by the Mm. situation, you know? Um, Like, you know, it was just, like, this outburst, whatever. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so nice of you. Do you want me to tell her? They were like, absolutely not. We want to leave. Just cover the bill. And, like, I started to, like, well up. And then later on, I did eventually have to tell her that her bill was covered because... And then she started to cry and, you know, like, it's just a testament that that there are really good people out there in the world, you know? Yes, totally. And I feel like it's very easy, given the news often, to forget that. To forget that there is humanity out there, that people can connect, strangers can connect. So I really like that story. Yeah, uh, right? And like, like these people in France, they're just like... We're doing this for the community. Yeah. Period.com. There's a need and we will provide. Right. And they're all volunteers. So it's beautiful. Yeah. And with that, I think that's a uh, that's a gorgeous way to end a food news update. Now you can carry those good vibes on for the rest of the day, Steve. Totally. I really appreciate that. Between that, the the dogs and the buns and the mac and cheese ice cream. You know? I know. I will be thinking about these three news items plus creme brulee and junk food. And DPing. And DPing. Um, the Speaking rest about DPing, um, what was coming out like for you? I, um, needed a, I needed a way to transition. And that <laughs> seemed like the perfect way. <laughs> it wasn't my smoothest, but it worked. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that transition from uh, DP to coming yeah. out. But Call me Robin Roberts, you know? It's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, coming out was like, you know, I, I would say coming out, the, the first time that I said it to another person, I was probably about 15. Or so. So I came out in high school slowly to a group of people. Where did you grow up? I grew up in North Jersey. Oh. So I grew up in a very rural area of New Jersey, you know, where there's a lot of cows and horses and things like that. So it's very Republican. It's very conservative. Um, but I, I had known since I was um, a little boy, like when I went to kindergarten, I realized I wasn't different than most of the other boys. And 
you know, it was only through, I, I always find it funny when I say this, but it's only through watching the real world as um, a little kid that I was exposed to other gay people and I, you know, was able to learn about that that culture and, you know, the language and the words um, associated with this. And I was able to put a word onto what I was feeling and what it was that I was associating with. And then it was until I was a teenager that I actually first came to terms with it myself and then started um, talking to my friends about it. And I felt like once I came out in school, I was... um, very much accepted. Like I didn't, I didn't face any uh, hardship because of it. it. You know, people were pretty uh, accepting of it, and I think that they were proud that I had been able to come to terms with it and um, tell them. But I did keep it a secret from my family, as much as one can keep a, a secret about being gay when it's quite obvious. When you're, leaving, um, when you're leaving trails of glitter behind you. Exactly, yes. <laughs> um, so I didn't really discuss it with my family until I went to college and I was out of the house because I wanted to have a safe space that I could go to in case, you know, the conversation went awry. Um, and so that's that's the beginning of my story, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And listen... Um, we never qualify stories here on the pod because, you know, there's no there's no good or bad coming out of it all. Right. And some some of us are lucky that we are surrounded by love. Right. Mm-hmm. And some of us some of us are not so lucky at the beginning till we find till we find that family that accepts us, you know, and that's why I'm forever sa- saying and preaching that each of our stories is important because we never know who it will affect. And I want to thank you for sharing that. Why the, why the Tom Finland of food? Um, well, what I always, how do I want to say this? So I started this Instagram account because I saw, I don't know if you saw this, but Paris Hilton put out this video of her, you know, cooking. she was making lasagna. She was cooking. You know she's she getting was, her own cooking show, right? And she was wearing gloves. And I saw this video and I had a freak out moment. And I was like, Paris Hilton cannot become famous before I do. She cannot cook. I was livid. And I was like, she's going to get her own cooking show. She's pulling this time. I know it. And this was like a year and a half ago. And so I was like, I need to start my Instagram because I'm this crazy. And so... I took a lot, a lot of time to think about what it is that I don't see in the cooking world. You know, when you go on the Food Network, it's all these, you know, it's predominantly like white women who are fulfilling this role of like a homemaker. And I don't see myself represented. I was like, why can't there be a young guy who's gay, who is sexy, who knows how to cook? Why is that not a thing on TV? And so I started using the, the, the Instagram account to take these different parts of myself that I had compartmentalized. You know, I had put this leather side, you know, in one corner and this cooking side on one corner and this, 
you know, academic on one corner. I was like, why don't I try to fuse it all together and actually present more of an authentic representation of, of who I am? Um, so that's really where that has come from. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I don't even need, I don't even need to say it again, but in your mouth listeners, I'm going to say it again. I mean, this is where we meet in the middle again, because my journey started a long time ago because I didn't see myself represented as a gay man on uh, Food Network, nor as a Latino on Food Network back in the day, and still not even today. You know, so I mean... Uh, who is there? There's Aaron Sanchez, right? Shout out to you, uh, Chef Aron, right? Because um, I used to know him back in the day. And, uh, but like, he's like literally, I think, the only Latino doing the thing on the Food Network mm. and not, and barely, you know what I right. mean? And so, yeah, I completely can relate and understand that. But, you know, that's, that's the plight of the, of the Food Network. And we all talk about it from you to me to Jake Cohen to people. People who really have made their stake in in the in the queer food world are preaching this, and no one's listening except for me. And that's why, and that's why this started. That's why we're here now. Exactly. That's why there's this platform for me to talk to you and you to tell your story, mm-hmm. right? Because we need to hear our stories told from all sides, you know. Because we're not we're not hearing it, and we're here, and we are the tastemakers, you know. And we are changing, and we are changing, like, exactly the foodscape. And what has what I, I what I've been surprised about on my Instagram is there is an audience for this. There is a desire to see this kind of representation, and I you know I'm I'm quite uh, validated, I would say, by that because at first, you know, when I was telling my friends my plan to integrate leather and cooking, they're like, "You're crazy," you know, like what why are you going to do that? And I was like, no, like, I just feel like no one's doing this. Why not? Why not try it? And I feel like I have been able to make a little niche for myself online. And, you know, it grows a little bit every day. And I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, it works. It works. It works. So does that mean we're going to see you in like assless chaps soon with your whisk? Possibly. possibly. Can't wait. I, I, I'm, li- I'm living for that fantasy, you know, <laughs> or just slide into the DMs. I'm OK. Yes. With that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm waiting to get, you know, a sponsor by like Mr. S or like, you know, Leatherman or whatever. Yeah. And they can just give me whatever they want to give me. And yeah. I will, you know, take pictures of me cooking and yeah. that and. Right. You could you could throw an event poppers and pot stickers exactly. or something. <laughs> yeah, if I got like a free, um, uh, you know, constant rollout of poppers, that, yeah, that would be or great something, too. Right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the possibilities are endless. I I mean I'm I'm a, I'm obviously here for all of it because like now you got my gears turning right. <laughs> Call me, we will collab. What's yeah. next for you? Um, I would say I'm hoping that this cookbook that, um, this cookbook idea that I have will take off. So I've written, um, I've written like a little bit of a demo for the cookbook and that's what I'm looking to do. So I want to make a cookbook, collaborate with a photographer that will actually take good photos. Cause at the moment I just take everything on my, my iPhone, mm-hmm. um, 
so that's where I'm seeing myself in the future is like uh, distilling this Instagram account into at least my first cookbook. I love that. Yeah. And we are here and we can't wait to see that. You'll have to come back once it's all uh, you know, finished and set yes, and we can yes, we can regroup to. and promote all the things for you. Totally. Speaking of promoting all the things, tell the kids where they can find you, how they can slide into your DMs, how, you know, they can follow all the things and wait for, you know, the chaps photo like I am. Um, so at the moment you can find me on Instagram. My handle is Cook with Steve. Um, and that's the only place that I, the only social media landscape that I'm perfect. Occupying perfect. It's all we need. It's yes. literally all we need. And maybe the dirty Twitter handle. I, I haven't given that out yet. Um, so maybe in the future. Maybe in the future. You know, something. If you like find that. me on, uh, if you find me on, <laughs> on on that side of the world. Ooh, the 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 amount of people I found. Right, and I support every last one of them. You mm-hmm. know, <laughs> it's always a nice surprise when you're like, "Oh, I know, I know that background." Yeah, I know. Yeah. You know what? Normalize seeing your friends' buttholes. Um, yeah. whatever. <laughs> I don't know what got into me this morning, but I'm I'm here for all of it. Maybe it's because I really wanted to go out to like the Eagle last night, and it was raining and thundering so hard. I just stayed my ass in bed, and it was worth it because. I was fresh and ready for you today, and I can't thank you enough for coming on, giving giving me of your time. I loved connecting with you. Um, this is obviously not the end of us. Thank you so much for just coming on and giving us, you know, all the things today, Steve. Thank you so much for inviting me. I feel really honored to have yeah. been on the show, and I really appreciate it. You are welcome here anytime. I tell all my guests, me podcast as Sue podcast. In your mouth, listeners out there, you know, it's summer. There's still beach time to go. And you know what? There is a beach towel, an in your mouth beach towel merch on my website. And it's super cute. There's also a ton of other merch. I know, shameless plug, as if the ads on the pod aren't enough. You know, but listen, a bitch got to make start making money. So you can't be mad at a 30-second ad. Oh, I'm a poet and didn't even know it. <laughs> Folks, I as always, you know what? Get out there. Get vaccinated. You know what? Wear your masks because people are still getting sick, obviously. And you know what? Buy the merch. Or if you don't even want to buy the merch, just scr- swipe down really quick and hit like the two, three, four, five stars. Leave a comment. It takes all of two seconds. Go support Steve Perry at Cook with Steve on Instagram. And with that, all I'm going to say is thank you for listening to In Yo Man.